This is deep dish, right? Yeah, well, let's get deep. So, so I'm, I'm going deep on both sides. Matt, welcome to the platform. How you doing? Thank you. I'm great. It's good to be here with you. Uh, I've seen you a lot over the years. Yes. You know, we've been at festivals Bunch and of races and community events and stuff like that. So I've been really yep. looking forward to this conversation. Me too. Um, you've been running for mayor almost a year. Right. <laughs> Dive right into it. Um, so I'm really uh, excited just to unpack, you know, um, what you as our potential next mayor may look like. Sure. Um, and give you the opportunity to let Nashvilleians and potential voters also know kind of what you as mayor would look like for the next four years. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and let me say, too, I mean, thank you for this. Yeah. We were talking a little bit before we went, went on air yeah. uh, that there are a number of candidates running. Uh, really, mm -hmm. only one. Uh, the, your, <laughs> your viewers only need to look at one candidate. But there are a bunch of candidates who have their names on the ballot. And, and out of respect for the democratic process, which is important, everyone should have a time to speak and be able to speak their, their mind. But there is this tension, right? Yeah. And if you've got a dozen people running and there's only so much time, it necessitates really short time periods to address what I think are really complex issues that our city's facing. And yeah. so thank you for creating this opportunity for folks who want to learn a little bit more yeah. and delve into the issues, deep yeah. dish, get a chance to do it. Thank you. Yeah, and there's so many new residents here, right? Sure. Uh, that may not be familiar with your past work or other of the candidates' past work yeah. um, over the years, right? So I just think it's really important and crucial that we get this right. <laughs> um, and if we don't, mm, I don't know. Um, I agree. Hey, yeah. look, I, I'm, I'm staking the next eight, eight and a half years of my life on this. So <laughs> yeah. I agree. Um, let's, let's get into this. The, the, I think the question everybody probably asks you, you know, why, why run for mayor now? Sure. Let's go ahead and just get that out the wall. You have a historical great record of just community economic development, uh, MDHA, as far as housing, public, private, nonprofit sector work, right? Uh, worked in the mayor's office for our last three mayors, previous right. three mayors. Um, so like, you're really good at what you do. Great. <laughs> So why the transition you want to take on this role where we know it comes with it? Accessibility yeah. is a little different to you. Um, those who like you and don't like you, it's a little sure. different as well. Able to uh, share. Yeah, so yeah. It, unpack that for us a little bit. Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. Um, and, you know, I, so as you mentioned, I got in the race about a year ago at mm -hmm. this point, nine months. Um, and as I looked around the city, it just seemed like there were a lot of things that just weren't working right. Mm -hmm. um, I so take a, a bit of a moment here to take a step back. My background for those folks who don't know it as much, born and raised in Nashville, grew up here. My professional story, I worked in the private sector for 15 years in San Francisco for a couple of years, in New York for six or seven years, and then here in Nashville for six or seven years. And I love that job in finance, working on complex transactions with, with, with really interesting big problems, but it just wasn't feeding my soul. Mm. And I looked around the city, and we'll talk a little bit more about that transition, I imagine. I looked around the city, this was a time when unemployment in Nashville was over 8%, and just felt like the talents and the skills that I had could be better applied to actually improve the city that I loved. Right. And so I left that career, which I really enjoyed, and moved to the mayor's office. And then, as you mentioned, I spent eight years Doing that job, we had a lot of success, added 42,000 jobs for Nashvillians, right. and had a great experience. I loved that job, mm -hmm. selling the city I love. Right. But in 2019, as I looked around the city, I saw that there were a lot of other challenges, and I right. thought that I should apply whatever I'd learned to that point in my career to take on the challenge of affordable housing. And I spent three years doing that and I would love to talk about what MDHA is doing. Yeah. That work I think is really important. And I am as passionate today as I was mm -hmm. the day I joined MDHA, the day I left MDHA, for the really great work that they're doing to transform areas of concentrated poverty mm -hmm. into thriving mixed income, mixed use neighborhoods. And yeah. so I love that, but the reason I left, so now after that little two minutes of background, the reason I chose to run is because it just felt like there were a lot of things that weren't working right in our okay. city. Okay. And we'll talk about uh, of many of those, I imagine. <laughs> but it wasn't what I thought I would do, mm -hmm. but it just felt like, man, there's a lot of stuff that we can be doing better. Yeah. Right? It, things that are impossible, you don't spend a lot of time worrying about, right? Like right. 
I wish I was six foot seven, had a 40 inch vertical leap and could hit 35%, 40% from three. Right. Then I'd be in the NBA, <laughs> right. but I'm not, and that is never gonna happen. Right. But these are things, potholes in the streets, trash pickup, those are things that don't have to be broken right. that I think we can fix. It's so, basic, basic things, right? Basic, basic things. quality of life That's things. Right. Um, for those who may not understand the role of the mayor, yeah, um, or maybe that, that understanding may be different, right? And what success looks like, right? It kind of talked to us being able to work in the mayor's office as well for eight years. You have a different perspective and lens than many of us who've maybe never even been to the mayor's office or really never just paid attention outside of like when the budget comes out. Right. And, and now we want the, to see the mayor, right? Um, what does a successful mayor in, from your lens look like? Yeah. Um, and what does that mayor kind of need to look like in the next four years and you potentially being that next mayor? I, th that is a really great question and you mentioned candidate forums we were talking about that yeah that's not a question that's been asked and i think it's a really important question mm -hmm. and again to set the table here why well you and the 705,000 residents of davidson county are looking to hire a ceo right. you guys are the interview board to hire a ceo of a really complex organization mm -hmm. metro as you probably know, but some of your viewers may not fully appreciate, has a $3 billion budget. Right. 17,000 employees between Metro and schools. 56 different departments mm. that do everything from educate people, arrest people, issue permits, have libraries, run parks. I mean, it's a really complex organization and there are, on top of that, 81 boards and commissions. So it's a big, super complex organization. I submit that you all, as the interviewers, should be looking for someone who's prepared to be the CEO of a $3 billion enterprise. And you hope that that person has some experience right. in the organization, has some experience in executive leadership. And so I think that's a really important question. For me, it's about someone who can manage a large organization but isn't micromanaging. Okay. Someone who can bring people together. So we talked about how big and complex Metro is, but the reality is to take on the big challenges we're facing as a city, mm -hmm. Metro cannot do it alone. We need to work with the state. We need to work with the nonprofit sector. We need to work with the many great companies that are here in Nashville because we've got some big challenges we're trying to take on right. and Metro can't do it alone, so we need to bring everybody together. I think a good mayor, We'll do a good job of managing Metro and the budget, mm -hmm. be a little bit of an auditor, but mostly a manager, but we'll also bring people together so that there's alignment mm -hmm. between the nonprofit sector, the public sector, the corporate sector to get things done. Right, convener. A convener. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and, that's, and that's kind of been my, my, one of my biggest takes as I try to drop little gems here and there yeah. to potential voters of kind of what we should be looking at as we're interviewing and going out and you know checking out prospective mayors because it's like you can't just have one of those experience like okay you just was you know a leader in some executive company that's your whole career right right that's great but sure. like you know what is that convening part like well have you worked with nonprofits and grassroots and the private public like have you done that budgets and things like that and so Voters, listen to these things <laughs> and look and, and listen to what our candidates are saying or not saying when it comes to these things. So I appreciate you kind of spreading that out in detail to really unpack that and also highlighting why you're qualified. Right. Um, and it leads me kind of to my next question of like, why do you feel you are the best qualified? Uh, this is where I guess you can always use some tension against saying that you're better or for the best in somebody when it comes to a position, yeah. a job, or whatever. But you know, you, it's a question I think people want to know. Like, why, what sure. makes you, what separates you, the best candidate from all the other 20, 30, 40, whoever's running right. <laughs> at this particular right. moment in time? Hey, look, it, it, it's still a little bit until May 18th. <laughs> there may be five more who jump in between here C and there. Crazy. I, I don't want to talk too much. You may be pulling your papers here <laughs> no, before too no. long. We're going to reverse reverse this. Uh, there aren't many people who know as much about Metro as you do, so uh, I'd be I, worried I, if you I, got I, on the ballot. I'd be like, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Got everybody, gotcha. No. That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, 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 even when I announced 
nine months ago, mm. I wasn't running against anybody. Mm. I'm running for Nashville. Mm. Now, a lot of politicians say that. I mean, it's true. Um, I really, I am putting forward some ideas, but right. you asked why I am sort of the, someone who your, your viewer should choose. Right. And, and I think a lot of people are feeling that right now. Like, right. my goodness, there's a bunch of great candidates out there. How the heck am I supposed to choose between them? Right. I submit a few things. One, you want someone who actually has some knowledge of Metro, right? right? The, four years goes by really fast. Mm -hmm. And if you have somebody who's still having to learn the difference between EMS and fire or, you know, where the codes department is, that's just days that go by right. that citizens aren't being served as well as they should. Right. I think I have that experience. I don't think I have that experience. I know the folks in Metro. But it's also someone who has executive leadership experience, right? Managing and knowing when to get involved mm -hmm. and when to step back, how to empower people right. and hold them accountable but give them the resources that they need to be able to do the job that you've agreed that they're gonna do. I think that balance is really important. But it's not, this isn't a dictatorship, right? You're not directing people. You have to work with people. You have the opportunity to work with people. Mm -hmm. Those 17,000 dedicated employees within Metro, right. but the many hundreds of companies outside. And I have an experience, again, having done that, worked not just with the private sector, but with the state. Right. And we'll, and we'll talk, I'm sure the state's gonna come up. It should, it, it better, should. Yeah. it will. Has but like, <laughs> I have experience working with folks in the state. Mm -hmm. Like I've actually done it. Yeah. So I think, I think look, I, I, I'm given the pitch from the Matt Wilshire perspective, yeah. but I think the things you laid out are exactly the things that folks ought to be thinking about. Yeah, and you said, you know, it, it can be difficult um, to pick a candidate if you if you if you're not aware of the things to look for, and so uh, one one thing I I try to tell people is like you know like yourself right, if you go to Matt's website you kind of see the top priorities, um, and it's a lot of priorities, but we all kind of understand maybe some of the, the the dire ones that all of our mayoral candidates should be focused on right, and if you go to a mayoral candidate's website and they don't have something on there that we all know it should be on there, I think that's a red flag to me, right, and then but that's also an opportunity for us as voters to say, hey, I uh, looked at your website, I see that you didn't have X, Y, and Z on there. Is that a reason why? Are you not thinking about this? So those little things I think should help voters. And that's, you know, that's 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 why we have this conversation, right? Um, and that's why I urge everybody to just dig deep. On, yeah, to dig deep into those. Because those can be the separating things, um, but you gotta just know to look for them and ask for them. Sure. Um, and I wanna get it, I wanna get into those nuanced things, right? It's on your website, people can go and look, look at them um, and kind of unpack and examine all of those things and give you a chance to really fully explain kind of initiatives, plans, and why these things are important to you, but also important for Nashville to move forward in a just and equitable way um, for the future. Um, and let's start with housing, right? Um, you just left MDHA, you was there three, four, three four, years. Three years. Uh, we all understand the affordable crisis, affordable housing crisis that we're in at the moment. Thirty to fifty thousand units, I think we need possibly at this moment in time. Um, how do you plan, if elected mayor, to address that need and kind of unpack from? Because again, you have a different lens, especially from a private-public relationship. And I always hear that's what's going to be needed to really uh, put some type of bandaid over this housing crisis that we go through. Um, so. It, Unpack that, examine that for us from your perspective, and again, you have the time to to really walk us through and give us a masterclass. Yeah. Well, look, this this is the this is one of those topics. Although actually, I suspect each one of the things we talk about will fall into this. But like in these candidate forums, like crime, one minute, go. Like you can't get into these complex issues. Yeah. But affordable housing actually starts from a really simple place. Okay. The cost of any good those earphones, mm -hmm. a home, a car, is based on really two things, supply and demand. Right. Now, there's a couple other things. What does it cost to make the earphones? Right. You, you can't sell them for less than it costs to make them, or at least right. you can't sell them for that price for very long. But it's basically supply and demand. And the reality is the cost of housing in Nashville is primarily because there has been a tremendous increase in demand for housing here mm -hmm. without a, a, a matching increase in supply. So where we sit today, we've got a couple of choices. We could either bring that demand down, which is 
only going to be by making Nashville a crappier city. Right. I don't think any of us wants that. Exactly. We don't want Nashville to be a less attractive place to live, to raise our kids, to age. Right. So we don't want to lower the demands. So we've got to raise the supply. That's it. That's the only way to do it. And we don't want to, I, don't, I think most of us don't want to raise supply in a way that overwhelms and transforms. We, we, don't, we don't want tall and skinnies on every lot in all of Nashville. Right. I mean, that would double the amount of housing here, right. but it would be a pretty unattractive place to live. Very dense. So, right. We need to add housing in places where we can grow in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So for me, that means adding housing primarily along transit corridors to make the mass transit work better. It's all connected, like Carl Dean said. It's all connected, so we need to add housing. There are also, I think, some really important ways. So MDHA, if I may, I'll take just a couple minutes. No, it's your, it's, it, look, it's, it's deep this conversation, but it's the match show at this, at this Great. moment, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, I think, look, 95% of the solution needs to come from the private sector, because the private sector owns and operates 95% of the housing okay. in, in Nashville, I mean, individuals. Right. and. They're privately owned residences and apartment buildings. We need more supply to match the demand. But I think there are things that we can do with public assets. Okay. NDHA owns a bunch of great dirt. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Casey Place, Casey Homes over in East Nashville, Edge Hill, which is located near, essentially between the Gulch and 12 South near right. Vanderbilt and Belmont. Um, Andrew Jackson, which is right adjacent to Fisk, mm -hmm. Cheatham Place, which is up in Germantown area, um, Cumberland View, uh, Napier and Sudicum, which are along Murfreesboro Pike, Lafayette, heading south. Mm -hmm. So there are great locations that MDHA has. Those have been areas of concentrated poverty. Mm -hmm. And what we don't want to do is move people out. Right. Now, there are some examples of that that I think were done with well-intended ways. So um, John Henry Hale over on Charlotte. Right. That was a pretty tough place to live when I was growing up here. And that area through the Hope Six program was changed. But the way it was changed was everyone there was given a voucher to go find another house somewhere else. Right. And um, then they bulldozed it. Right. And what they replaced it with was much lower density. You've seen it. When right. you drive up and down Charlotte, exactly. beautiful homes. John Henry Hale is awesome. Yeah. I mean, the, the families who live there generally love their experience. I know that because the turnover is about 1%, <laughs> right? <laughs> Folks are having a good experience there. Right. But there just aren't very many units. There right. aren't as many units given the footprint there. And we mentioned supply and demand. Right. right? Okay. So the Envision Plan and MDHA transform areas of concentrated poverty by increasing it and transforming it into mixed income, mixed use neighborhoods. Those kinds of approaches to the complex problems that we're facing today as Nashville is what we need the next mayor to do. And I, I'm prepared to do that. Um, I want to go ahead and circle into, well, before, before, before I circle into this, funding for that housing. Yep. Uh, we had the Barnes Fund. But, you know, hey, this, we, this only, only have so much money in the bonds fund. That's right. Um, where do we pull other monies and funds? How do we get creative? Is there perspective ways to get creative to either pull back into the bonds fund or find money elsewhere that we could, you know, potentially, you know, you know, build a, build a home full of stadiums? <laughs> yeah. This is where I think the mayor, we've talked a little bit about public-private partnerships. It's yeah. kind of a catchphrase. Right. But let me talk specifically about what I've done. So at MDHA, I got Amazon to invest $7 million in the last development that we did there. Okay. Right. The private sector, not every company, Right. But certain companies on certain issues want to be involved, want to help provide solutions. Right. And affordable housing was an issue, a big issue for Amazon. They announced um, about two years ago now that they were going to invest $2 billion in three cities in affordable housing. And within 30 days, I had a plan developed within MDHA where Amazon could invest $300 million in Nashville. But the process just got dragged out mm -hmm. with the, a bunch of folks wanting to look at the numbers and reevaluate the numbers and change the numbers within different parts of government. And it just wasn't a helpful process. Right. We need to be prepared to yeah. move quickly, to take advantage of opportunities that are put in front of us. So part of it will be 
government investment to get the flywheel spinning. Right. But the great news is there are economically self-sustaining models yeah. that having great dirt enables you to create. We need to get the flywheel moving and then we can get leverage OPM. Right. Other people's money. Other people's money. OPM. Right. Federal dollars, private dollars. I think there are a lot of opportunities to do that. Right. We just have to be aggressive and creative about going out and making those things happen. And we haven't been for too long. Um, you mentioned mobility. Yes. Right. We all have to drive through this traffic. Um, and I would say transit and affordability go hand in hand. Connected to each connected other. Connected to each other, right? Um, we had a referendum in 2018 that uh, that failed. It was very uh, close, very, very close. 65-35. You know, close, close, you know. <laughs> it was close, Nashville. Um, and now, you know, as potentially our next mayor, we could actually, you know, it could be up for another vote. Um, and we need that referendum so we can, you know, have access to those tax dollars, right? Um, outside of, you know, a mayor just saying, okay, we're going to do transit, but property tax is going to be the tax I'm pulling from, right? Because nobody wants to have an increase in property tax. Voters don't want to do that. Uh, so we had the referendum, it failed. So here we are now, um, still without mass transit. Um, you know, we have potholes, um, you know, lack of sidewalks, all of these things that, you know, that deals with mobility and access, right? Because that's what we talk about. We talk about access, which goes into equality, equity for me. Um, as our next potential mayor, how do you tackle, address, be transparent, and how do we get to this place to where we can not just have a plan, but actually, you know, uh, be proactive and implement something? Uh, may might may not be the whole city, but a, a community, a stretch of road, or something that, you know, for us, Nash Williams has been here, that lived here, that's from here, used to drive our cars, and maybe need more convincing, and maybe we just need to see it, say, oh. This is convenient. This is affordable. This is actually efficient. It saves me money. Um, let's talk about that infrastructure piece of it. Dude, dude, it's like you're giving my campaign speech. <laughs> I should just be quiet and let you give it. I mean, a few things real quick. I mean, we need to have a long-range plan, okay. and we need to commit to that plan, okay. and it needs to survive mayoral administrations. There have been so many plans. Plan to play, affordable housing plans, transit plans. Yeah. That that should survive beyond mayors. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that we don't pivot. Yeah. We should reevaluate our plans and like, okay, we were going this direction, but we need yeah. to go a little bit different direction. Mm -hmm. But we don't need to recreate the wheel right. every four years. Yeah. So let me tell you, well, we're gonna start this year. Okay. This year. Elected mayor, we will start it this year, and I've already started working on it, and we'll be able to fund it. So I don't know if you've ever been to Denver or not, I have, but mm. the, the, the Denver airport, I think, is located somewhere in Kansas. I mean, it's like <laughs> way outside of town, but they've got light rail okay. from the airport to downtown. Okay. Our airport is only located seven miles from downtown. Right. So we have an opportunity to do something transformational that will, to your words, mm -hmm. create momentum, right. right? And show that this can work. It makes it tangible. Right. So that we can then build out the rest of the skeleton for the infrastructure that we need for city. So I think that we need to build mass transit from the airport to downtown. Okay. And it, we can do it. We can do it, Nashville. And here's why. The 55 Murfreesboro is already the highest ridership bus line in Nashville, okay. already today, which means that a project like this will be well positioned to receive funding from the federal government. Okay. Second, the airport, which is booming, busting at the seams, right. can pay for all of the infrastructure from the airport to the first transit stop. And we've already tried to do some things like this in the past. You may remember the AMP yep. back mm -hmm. in 2012, 2013. Yep. That got shut down because opponents said there's not enough right-of-way available. Okay. Well, there's a lot of right-of-way available on Murfreesboro Pike. Yep. There's it's a boulevard, there's right-of-way available, mm -hmm. and there's redevelopment opportunities along Murfreesboro Pike right. where we can have affordable housing and small businesses, jobs for people located there so that folks who work downtown or work out at the airport, which is a big employer, can get to work without paying $50 for parking, right. right? There are opportunities to do this. So by investing in transit, getting the federal government to pay for a piece, getting the airport to pay for a piece, right. getting 
the folks who were going to use it to pay for a piece and then getting an increase in property tax values to pay for the piece that the city's paying for, we can have mass transit starting with it, the planning process this year. Right. It's going to take a while to build it out. Yeah. Those are jobs, by the way. Yeah. Building it out, those are jobs for Nashvillians. Yeah. And then what we can create is mass transit to prove that it can be successful mm -hmm. and then get momentum from there. I'll start that this year. What are your thoughts on dedicated funding for transit? I think we do need it. To be able to build a big network infrastructure, we mm -hmm. need dedicated funding. I don't think the city's ready for that, to be perfectly honest. Not this year. Okay. I mean, as you mentioned, the referendum law of 6535. So I think we need to build momentum okay. and build the like uh, excitement around it. Mm -hmm. I think we got to go with certain steps to prove okay. this thing out. I think we need it if we want to build an overall infrastructure, right. but I don't think the city's ready for it this year. Okay. Before, before we move on to the next big pillar, um, I want to, I want to throw, I like throwing these kind of these phrases or words that uh, it just all gets, especially if it's around social change, community. Um, and I think it's very important to understand how our potential next mayor thinks about these particular things, right? I mean, just give your definition on them. Sure. Um, so what comes to your mind when you hear systemic change? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we always hear change, but systemic change is a little different. Uh, especially for things that have been historically neglected or have been just, just unfair, uh, inequalities. And so just curious of what, what that means, systemic change to you, and how that plays a role into potentially being the next mayor and shifting things uh, that maybe have been embedded in systemic racism, discrimination, to create this systemic change. Yeah. I, look, I think we need to have an honest conversation about this stuff. I mean, not you and me. We are having yeah, it. Yeah, we have one right now, yeah. Society needs mm -hmm. to have an honest conversation about this. Okay. Because I, I think so often people get real defensive real fast, right? right? There are systemic structures. Right. And anyone who doesn't believe that, I want to have a long, <laughs> honest conversation with them. Yeah. Um, I want to listen to them and right. understand them. We are all the hero in our own stories, right? right? We are all yeah. the heroes. But the honest answer is there are structures mm -hmm. and systems, and those structures have inequalities in them. Right. I'm not, I don't want to blame anybody for that. People aren't. I think there were some bad-intentioned people back in the past right. who set these things up. But, like, they're honestly there. And right. those systems and structures dictate how a lot of things happen, right? right? Don't hate the play, I hate the game, right. right? The game is the game, and in this case, the game is society. And one of those is, I'll give you an example, right? The tuition to go to some of the elite private schools in our city, it's like thirty-four, dollars $35,000 a year. Right. We are spending, it was $14,000. I think it may be up a little bit in the mayor's latest budget. I gotta go do, run the math on that, but maybe up to fifteen, dollars $15,000. Okay. So, it's $35,000 to go to these private schools. Mm -hmm. It's $15,000 for our public school kids. Every kid in Metro National Public Schools. On top of that, a lot of the kids who are going to Metro National Public Schools, not every kid. Right. My son graduated from Hillsborough last year, had an awesome time. He brought in some traumas to school, but not every kid brings in every trauma. Every kid is different. Right. But it is true that a lot of the kids in Metro National Public Schools are facing different challenges right. than some of the kids in some of these private schools, right? right? There are 144 languages spoken in the homes of kids who are Metro National Public Schools. Right. I don't think that's true in our private schools. It would be awesome. Yeah. I think it's a benefit and a strength of our city, the diversity mm -hmm. of our city, but the reality is there's a lot more challenges these kids and we're spending $14,000, $15,000 a year on each one of the kids in Metro National Public Schools. That is a structural inequity. Right. Either you think the parents who choose to send their kids to these elite schools and pay $35,000 a year to do it are morons, right. and I don't think that they are, or you think that there's a return on their investment. Right. And that return on their investment is better opportunities for their kids. Mm -hmm. Now. I am not coming on your show to say that we ought to increase the school's budget by two and a half times, right? I'm not here to say that today, but I am saying we have to be honest about the structural inequities in our systems right. and who that has benefited right. and who has felt, who has been starting, mm -hmm. you know, 
not at, it ain't starting a 100 meter dash, everybody's at the same starting line. Right, no. Some people are already at the finish line. <laughs> I mean, at least at 30 right, meters. Right. I mean, I don't know. No, no, no. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that was a great example, one, but also just when you talk about systemic change, people do get a little, you know, uncomfortable, but like that's the it's reality. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's, it's, but that's the reality of it. And, the, and being able to have a conversation about it and understand, okay, we're speaking about this in the same language and we understand that this thing exists, right? Then I think we can start working towards building stronger and better communities for everyone. Um, and you always have people. I think those people who just don't want that will always just be there and they'll just do what they do. And they, I mean, most people honestly, like probably aren't even thinking of it that way. Right. Like they aren't thinking about this as, you know, hey, like I want to screw all these other people. Right. They aren't thinking about it that way. They're thinking right. about it like, look, I am doing Mm-hmm. What is in the best interest right. of my child? Right. And they should. Right. I just think as a society, we're all better off. And, and, and here's the way I think about it. Today, mm-hmm. there is a girl who lives at Casey Holmes. Right. Who would have the potential to write the next amazing movie mm-hmm. or app. or book, right? She may not ever have that opportunity because of the structural inequities. And there are kids, other places, who are gonna have the opportunity to fulfill their full potential, Mm -hmm. whatever that potential is that God gave them. I do not believe today Mm -hmm. that every child in Nashville has the full opportunity to honor God's gifts Mm -hmm. and fulfill their full potential, whatever that is. If you believe that is the case, that that is the structure, that our system is set up so that every child has the equal opportunity to fulfill their full potential today, I would love Mm -hmm. to have a conversation with you about that. I suspect you don't think that's the case, but there may be someone out there who does, and I would love to listen and learn from them. That's not how I see the world right now. I'm black in America, Matt. I don't think that's the case. (laughs) But um, I think I want to go, that kind of leads right into the next pillar, I think, of just the investment in communities, right? And what role can the mayor's office play in not perpetuating systemic harm and just the systemic damages that just maybe been going on and on and on and on? Um, How do we tackle that in our communities? How do we invest in our communities to make sure that little girl in Casey Holmes can thrive or or has some type of um, programming or something there where she can go on and encode the next Facebook app? Uh, or, you know, the kid in Cheatham or North Nashville, South Nashville, West Nashville, all over the community, right? Uh, black, brown, poor, Latinx, immigrant, refugee, all of those different dynamics and makeups that we have here in Nashville. I, so you're asking questions and I'm giving answers. Yep. But let me, let me say this, because okay. it's really, really important. Like, I'm giving you answers because I'm asking for your vote. Right. And I owe you answers about what my priorities are. But I think it is also, it is really important to me, I don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And I want your listeners and viewers to understand, like, I know that I don't have all the answers. Right. I'm gonna offer my answers. Right. And I'm gonna try and do the best that I can. Right. But I also want to have a system where everybody has a seat at the table. Mm, Let's talk about it. Everybody should have a seat at the table. Because that's how it. we get to our best answers. Now, let me let me let me answer your question. I'm not I'm not trying to dodge your question. You know what's really hard? Well, there's a few things. Change is hard. Mm-hmm. It is also you know what else is really hard? Being poor is really hard. Yeah. It's hard to get around. It's hard to just make the ends meet. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Like we should make it less hard for people. Right. Just because we're, I think we have a moral obligation to do that as a society. Mm-hmm. That's how I read the Bible. That's how the that's the example I see Jesus setting for us. But it is also, I think, just in all of our best interest. Right. It set aside the morality of it. Mm-hmm. If you just want to look at objectively speaking, man, we're cheating ourselves of stuff because that girl in Casey isn't going to have the opportunity to contribute to the world in the way that she could potentially. Right. Right. Like, that's that's I think the way to have this conversation is not. 
who's a jerk and who's bad and who's right. morally bankrupt. But hey, man, how about we create more opportunities for more people to do more great things? Because we're all going to be better off if that's the case. Right. I don't think people are going to say, oh, no, no, no. I don't, I don't want more people to have opportunities. Yeah. Who's, who's <laughs> going to say that? No, no, no. I would, I would rather not have yeah. the next amazing, beautiful piece of art created. Right. I don't want that. Right. Okay, let's frame the conversation that way. Yeah. What could we be doing? What could our society be doing? Um, no, that's a great way to frame it. And again, as like as our next potential mayor, as I think the mayor, or mayoral, or just mayor administration in general is a convener, right? So bringing in those people when hey, I don't have all the answers, but I know you work very closely and have a different proximity to this community than I do. What 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 should be done? How can we support you to support them? And I think that's a crucial role. Um, for the mayor's administration in general to be able to identify those partners and also be able to resource them, right? Um, invest, right, in those partners. So it's good to kind of hear you unpack that a little bit as well. Um, keeping it in community a little bit. Um, let's go to this crime. Let's go to policing. Well, let me let me rephrase that. Let's go to public safety um, because you know public safety is more than just policing. And that way, framed that way, it gives you opportunity to unpack public safety and kind of what that means uh, for you and probably as our uh, next potential mayor as well. Um, so when you think about public safety, what does that mean and how does that look going forward potentially for the next four years? Amen. So my three priorities, things that are most important to me, are public education, public safety, and quality of life. Okay. And words matter, right? It's not crime. Right. It's public safety. Right. It's how do we prevent bad things from happening in the first place? And, and, and I mean bad uh -oh, things. Uh-oh, Matt. Uh-oh, you, you're hitting something now. <laughs> how do we prevent bad things from happening in the first place? How do we prevent it? I would love to hear your... <laughs> well, I, I have an idea, but I'm... I want to hear your I'm ideas. I'm curious of what you're going to say. Yeah. I think I'm curious because I, we have to spend money. So <laughs> here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I believe that people... Irrational actors. Okay. Now, I'm using this language. This is not like political language, but I'm hopeful that the people who are watching we, this. They know deep deep. We're talking. Are people who are digging deep anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, people are rational actors, right? That person who commits a crime is probably doing it. Every situation is different. Every human being is different. Mm -hmm. But we can't spend like, all day doing 705,000 different things, right? Like right. You, you have to have systems, right. you have to have structures. Right. I believe that people are rational actors. They're making decisions. They may make the wrong decision, mm -hmm. but they're doing what they think is in their best interest. The person who commits a crime is doing it because they don't think they have any better options. Right. We need to create systems and structures so they have better options. Right. And I am not justifying people who commit horrific crimes. Mm -hmm. People must be held accountable. Right. I must be held accountable. You must be held accountable. Right. Each of us must be held accountable. And I think we can set up systems and structures where more people truly have more options to make more good decisions. We're going to have a better society. Right. What role does the mayor play into that? A variety of things. We talked a little bit about public education. Right. It's making sure that that is setting people up, mm -hmm. truly setting people up to be able to have a good opportunity, a good outcome. You may be interested in math. I may be interested in English. She may be interested in science. He may be interested in art. We're all different, right? right? So there need to be more pathways for more good opportunities. I believe having more good opportunities to do more good things Kids, most kids, I think almost all kids, don't come out of the womb saying, yeah, I'm gonna go be a bank robber. Right. I'm gonna come out of here and be a murderer, right? right? There are things that led those people to those positions. Mm -hmm. We can take more opportunities to create more pathways for them to do more good things. Right. That is hard, it's not easy. This is long form conversation. Yeah. There ain't enough time, even in this conversation, <laughs> if we're gonna talk about any more than one thing yeah. and keep your viewers' attention for even a little bit. I mean, but it is about that. Is it yeah. about investing so that every kid 
has the opportunity mm -hmm. to engage and fulfill what their full yeah. potential is. Right. We have to do that. Right. We've got to make those investments. Right. <laughs> because it's the right thing to do. Right. But because it will make our world a better place. Mm -hmm. I believe that so deeply. But it is not all carrots. It ain't all carrots. Right. We've got to have some sticks too. Right. And people have to be held accountable. I think those are important things. Right. In parenting, as you know, I got right. six kids and stepkids. <coughs> Man, every kid's different. Yeah. You gotta meet the kid where they are. Mm -hmm. But people need to be invested. We right. need to invest in people and invest in their success like it's our own success because it is our own success. Uh, what is your thoughts on the investment of more money in policing? Um, buzzwords like defund the police, reallocate funds, things like that have happened over the last couple of years. Um, but like here in Nashville, we know it's a lot of gun thefts, um, a lot of youth violence. Um, it's a slippery slope with many uh, many communities with SROs in schools, school resource officers in schools. Just the presence of police affects different communities differently. Um, what are your thoughts on our current state of policing in Nashville? And um, would you have plans, uh, especially when it comes around a budget? Do you feel that we need more money invested in police? And if so, what does that money need to go to? Is it potentially just more uh, people power because we short officers? Or is it in specific things that you would like police uh, to do here in the city? We need to have less crime in our city. I think everyone can agree on that, right? right. So let's start, let's start with where we want to go. Let's mm -hmm. start with the goal, okay. right? Crime is bad. Right. That sounds like a pretty obvious thing to say, but we still have more and more of it. Well, right. why do we have more and more of it? I think there's a variety of reasons. We need to prevent those things from happening in the first place. So how do we do that? The events of March 27th, and I don't know when folks will be watching this, but that was a horrific day in our right. city's history, the shooting at Covenant. Right. If there was one glimmer of bright light on that horrific dark day, it was seeing how bravely and professionally some of our police officers responded. Right. They went into a very uncertain situation and put themselves mm -hmm. um, in harm's way to save kids. Right. And many of our police officers, the overwhelming majority of our police officers do that every day. Right. And I start from that position. Okay. Now, I am not saying that we are all perfect. That, that is not the case. Again, folks need to be held accountable. That is not just people who commit crimes, but that is also people who are trying to protect us, but may make some wrong decisions. Right. I am not a defund the police person. I do not think that we need to defund the police. I think we need to fund smart programs to prevent crimes from happening in the first place. Okay. There's a lot of mental health challenges in our society right now, right. a lot. Right. And I want to applaud the great work that our sheriff is doing, Sheriff Hall, yep. to help meet people where they are and give them the help that they need. Mm -hmm. I think we need to fund programs. So starting from the very beginning, there are more pathways to more kids making more good decisions so they don't get on a pathway. Nobody, we were saying this, that there are, I don't want to say nobody, absolutes, 100% statements are not usually... <laughs> the right <laughs> statements to make. But most people right. are just trying to make it through yeah. this, right? You mentioned gun thefts. There are hundreds mm -hmm. of guns stolen out of cars. Right. Why? Because people aren't securing them. Right. People need to secure their weapons. If they have them, and that is a huge thing mm -hmm. to have a gun, then you need to do everything you can right. to make sure that it is protected and that people are safe. Right. We need to do that. But we also need to make sure that people are genuinely protected, feel safe. Mm -hmm. They don't need to be protected, not only protected by the police, they need to feel protected from the police, right? right. We need to do that. Right. People need to be met in a good place. And I think the best way to do that is to get police officers out of their cars, into the streets, building relationships mm -hmm. with the community, I believe that Chief Drake is the right leader for our police department. 
we need to be doing a good job, a better job of having opportunities for people to have positive interactions with our right. police department. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's a lot. Yeah. No, there's a lot to unpack even a, behind that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely a lot to unpack um, because how, how the, the the covenant situation was just unfortunate, um, and many people. It's 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 crazy how the media, right? Media because mass shootings are like in school shootings. One is like one percent of uh, gun violence, right? How many murders were there in our city, right? You Last know? year, what was that? Right? A, was that like over a hundred? Yep, right. And, and so it's that like, is every day, okay. and so that doesn't get the same media attention for nope. whatever reason or domestic violence, um, domestic violence. violence through gun violence, right? And so um, it just it's 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 funny. In a in a in a non funny way, kind of how the perceptions of violence in general can change depending on the situation. Again, like you mentioned, mental health situation and I, mental health situations. I think this is a perfect one because you have a situation like Covenant, where police comes in and, sa and save people from a mass shooter. But then you have other situations that have happened in our city and nationally where somebody's having a mental health crisis, yes. police show up, and then they are killed, unfortunately, by police because of that. The, happened that happened in our city and on so, Buchanan Street, and people, I think, and, and other yeah, times and other on times. interstates. And then, and, and so it's, and so the conversation changes like, okay, like, like how. The response should be different in those cases, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and then, and so it's like, how how do we have these services? How do we get those resources? And even from an emergency communications standpoint, yes. How can we call in and, and from a from a resident encode it like, hey, I know this person. They live in my community. They out wielding the gun, but I know they have a huge mental health issue. So I don't think he or she's gonna harm anybody. So when you all come, like try some type of other de-escalation other than killing a citizen, right? Um, and so I think yes. that's just like with around policing, figuring that out, but also being able to call it out and be, have a transparent conversation about it. Um, I think also that's that's where we can start in the city. And I, like you know, as a our next potential mayor, be able to start some of that dialogue too with community members that's trying to figure out like, hey, like. Yeah, we want to feel protected, but at the same time, we have to have an understanding that every situation is different, and de-escalation sometimes don't don't look the same when police officers show up. Everything it can be escalated just because of the air, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Look, I, this is a really hard conversation to have, and and it is again. I want to follow the people, the yeah. lived experience yeah. of people who are engaging in these ways. Mm -hmm. It is really, really hard. Yeah. It is really hard. And that doesn't mean we run away from it. Right. It means we run into it. We right. run towards the hard things. Right. And I think it is vital. I think the police are doing some really good things to invest in programs to bring mental health professionals into to mm -hmm. these crisis situations to de-escalate them. Right. We should be protected. Right. There are a lot of people out here who should not have weapons of death. Right. Guns kill people. Right. People kill people. Right. People use guns to kill people. Right. We need to de-escalate those mm -hmm. situations. There yeah. are a lot of people out here have weapons because they've stolen them or been able to buy them from people who've stolen yeah. them out of cars that should not be happening and yeah. let me applaud some of the positive efforts that have been made in our legislature our legislature is doing a lot of things wrong mm -hmm. i want to encourage them to create more situations right. where there are more opportunities for more good things to happen and fewer bad things to happen that sounds obvious right. but it ain't happening <laughs> You know, you have this community economic development background, and I actually have that background too. Yes. That's one of the things we have in common. Yep. Um, and as we look at the city, um, it's a lot of economic and community development happening. Um, one of those developments is the Titan, Titan Stadium. Um, and the state, or the city, I should say, is going to get back a lot of land usage for the East Bank. Um, so I want to dive into kind of what would that development 
or opportunities for development or take part in the development from an economic growth standpoint, small businesses, virtual businesses, small, big, large, um, how can we make sure that it benefits community, right? Because I think that's was the biggest question mark for many other people, many people on maybe why they did not want the stadium um, new deal because it's like, how does this benefit like me? I'm not a contractor. I don't have a restaurant. I'm not a hotel owner. I don't, I'm not. I'm I not, may not be able to afford <laughs> tickets <laughs> to the Titans games. Right, right. right? And so, and so. How does that gonna help how do, me? How do, how does that help us as Nashvilleians and people that live in the, the Nashville, Davidson County and surrounding counties? How does this stadium, how can, I mean, what's the mayor's potential role in making sure it does benefit Nashvilleians? I, I mean, I, I feel in some ways like a broken record, right? But it is also because each of these things, mm -hmm. we need to set up more opportunities for yeah. more good things to happen. Yeah. That is true in education, that is true in public safety, right. and it is true in economic development. Right. It is about negotiating good deals on the front end right. and then having follow-up, mm -hmm. holding people accountable. Right. That is not just true in public safety, it is also true in economic development. Right. It is setting up systems mm -hmm. and structures yeah. for these things to happen in a good way. Right. Negotiating affordable housing, in the soccer stadium. You know what's going up right now? Affordable housing at the soccer stadium. There has to be follow-up and accountability on each of these things. And that is true for the East Bank, mm -hmm. for the Titans deal, for the area around that. Mm -hmm. That is what has to happen. And there are a lot of people who feel like a lot of things have happened for far too long right. that have not actually benefited our city. Right. And we have to make sure that happens. Um, so we can get into all the specifics on it. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I think, look, I am someone who believes that you have to be a person of your word. Okay. It starts with that. Okay. Got to be a person of your word and our city has to be uh, a, a accountable and a person of its word, right. a city of its word as well. Right. And so, you know, for far too long, that was not happening. Right. We got to make sure that happens. It happens at East Bank. It happens at Titan Stadium. We got to do that going forward. Right. And so the, that that deal has now been approved, as right. you it's, it's, as it's, you know, when, right? Mm -hmm. That deal's been approved. It's it right. is approved. It's now we got to make sure that it happens for the best interest of the city, and the things right. that happen there are productive and positive for our city, right. and don't make us worse off but better off. Um. Small businesses, and I will even get more specific, um, minority, people of color, black-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, um, you know, struggled during the pandemic. Um, and in a thriving city like Nashville, you know, we see all the cranes going up, right? And it can be easy to forget about the small businesses. They're really, you know, I feel like the heart and soul of a city like Nashville. Um, have you thought about uh, any initiatives, plans, or are the things already in existence that you want to just kind of make more robust um, to really push into our small businesses and our black and minority-owned businesses here in Nashville? Uh, because, you know, you have black voters, people of color voters, minority voters, that's going to be really looking at that initiative like, hey, like, we know that we are underserved or forgotten or neglected in this area specifically. You know, what is our next mayor saying about that specifically so we can get a piece of this pie <laughs> that's out there um, and not just kind of always focusing on the large Amazons and Alice Bernsteins and the oracles and things of that nature. Not only have I thought about it, I've been about it. <laughs> I have actually done it. Okay. We should judge these folks who are coming before the voters right. by their track records. Right. And that is not to say that I am perfect or any of us is. Right. We all can get better. But you're just saying you're better at the moment. <laughs> we all can get better, yeah. but judge us and judge us by our track records. Right. Right. I served in the mayor's office, mm -hmm. as you know, and I created, with the help of many people, 
we created mm -hmm. the very first small business incentive program in our city's history. Mm. And as best we could tell, right. the first one like it in the country. Mm. It was a priority and we implemented it. Right. I worked with then councilman Jerry Maynard and with some of the council members, Fabian Bedney yep. and Sharon Hurt and Freddie O'Connell, two other candidates running for mayor, to actually do these things. Right. We worked on implementing these programs. We have created these programs. Mm -hmm. And so it yeah. is great to focus on, the, as you said, right. the Alliance Bernsteins and these other things. And in total jobs, you gotta create jobs. But you know right. who are the real job creators? The small businesses. Right. And that is hard to do, Very. you have to do the work. Right. You have to be willing to put in the effort. Right. I have done the work. Mm. I have put in the effort right. and I will do more as mayor. I'm gonna throw another word out there for you. And I want you to just kind of unpack it and what it means to you. Um, Nashville is a, a mayor-led city, you know, um, top executive spot of the city of leadership. Um, so that comes with a lot of power. Right, people view power differently. Um, how do you view the term power? Mm. I believe in servant leadership. Okay. Um, your viewers may have a variety of different religions and I want to respect all religions. Mm -hmm. I am Christian and I believe in servant leadership. Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. Mm -hmm. That is the example that inspires me. Right. Now, each of us right. can be inspired, but you're asking what inspires me? How I view leadership. Mm -hmm. That is how I view leadership. That is what I believe I can do the best to lead our city. And so I am inspired by that. I am not right. putting myself on that level in any way. I am nowhere near that. But no. I am inspired to lead in that way and I am humbled by it and I want to be a humble servant leader for our city. Truly, every day. So, you know what I'm really pissed off about? <laughs> what is that? I'm really pissed off about all the trash in our city. <laughs> I am really pissed off about it. Yeah, yeah. That's not somebody else's problem. Right. That is my problem. Right. And so I get up, and when I go running in the morning, mm -hmm. a lot of mornings, I will take a bag with me. Mm. I'll take a trash bag with me yeah. and pick up trash along yeah. the way. Yeah. Because that is the difference that I can make. Right. That is not the full solution. We also need to make sure that our systems and our structures are functioning in right. good ways so that there aren't a bunch of full trash cans right. from which the wind is blowing trash into the streets. Those right. need to be picked up right. every week on time. Yeah. And also, I and our neighbors need to be doing our part right. to pick up the trash. That's what I'm going to say. That is an example yeah. in one area of what we can be doing. Right. It ain't somebody else's problem. Right. It's my problem. What um, can I do? Speaking of problems. <laughs> and there are many. We talked about it in the beginning, but um, I, I definitely want for you to hit on this city-state relationship, right? <laughs> and kind of what our next mayor needs to possess, have, understand, to be able to have a relationship with the state, a, a healthy one, um, that will allow us to move forward, get funding for things. Things are not preempted all the time when they go to the state. Um, or it's not, you know, um, aggressive acts towards the city from the state or vice versa. Um, but we can have a healthy relationship. What, what does that look like to you? What are your plans? What are your strategies in trying to tackle that? And then we have just two more questions left and we can we wrap right. it up. Great. Hey, man, I'll stay here yeah. <laughs> all day, all night. I mean, A, because I love it, but more importantly, because it's needed on the state relationship. I am also frustrated about that. Mm -hmm. I'm frustrated about the trash and 
but I am frustrated <laughs> about our relationship with the state. We are sitting here just a few blocks away from our state's capital and a few blocks away from the mayor's office. Right. Well, folks who are working that close to each other mm -hmm. ought to have a much better relationship. Right down the street. <laughs> that ain't rocket scientists. That's rocket science. We should have a better relationship. Now, it is not that easy. Right. It's not as easy as just saying it, right. speaking it into existence. Mm -hmm. It is about doing the work. Yep. It is about doing the work. So what can the mayor do? This is, as you said earlier, a strong mayor system. Mm -hmm. It is also true that the state constitution, as it is written, cities are political subdivisions of the state. That is just the truth. Yeah. We can argue it's good or it's bad, and we should work to change things that are not set up in a good way. Again, this issue of systems and structures. But the reality is the city is a political subdivision of the state, and we need to do the hard work to build a relationship in particular with the people with whom we do not agree right. or always see eye to eye. Right. Man, it's easy to have a conversation with my friends. Right, yeah. That's cool. It's easy to hang out with people who agree with me. Right, yeah. Or tweet at people who already agree with the situation <laughs> that I agree with. That is easy. Yeah. You know what's hard? Sitting down with someone who pisses me the F off. Yeah. In many ways, this conversation is not the conversation that we need to be having. Right. It is easy to talk with people you agree with. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to sit down and do the work to talk with people with whom we do not agree. Okay. And that's hard. Yeah. But it is vital yeah. for our city and for our state. Because you know what happened? When you went out today and you bought lunch, mm -hmm. you were paying for the teachers in Obion County and Ray County, and Hamlin County. Yep. So I think that the mayor needs to sit down mm -hmm. with the men and women in our state legislature and build better relationships with them. And that is not to say that we will always agree. Right, that's not, that's not life. It's not possible. Yeah. That is not to say that you should ever compromise on your most important principles. Right. But is it about sitting down and working through these things? Because it's a heck of a lot easier to hate someone mm -hmm. who you don't have a relationship with. Right. It is a lot harder to hate somebody you know. And so we gotta sit down and do the work. And when we disagree, listen yeah. and talk and try and figure it out. And when we can't, when we can't agree, that's okay. Right. We gotta move forward. Right. And by doing that, I think we are more likely to have more positive outcomes, a better relationship with the state, find opportunities to invest on the things that we do agree with. Mm -hmm. That is the only way I know how to do it. Right. I can yell and scream at these people as much as I want. Right. And you know what's not likely to happen? For them to say, oh, wow, Matt, you yelled at me so loudly for so long, I now totally don't <laughs> do the thing that I was going to do because you yelled so loudly at me, yeah. I'm now going to agree with you. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, and so I am not going to do that. Um, I, 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 this is usually like the last question <clears throat> that, I, that I formally ask, and it kind of, I, I ask it because I, I really want people to understand the importance of budget and understanding this financial responsibility as a mayor <laughs> should. Um, but you, you, you know, you, you have the track record. It's not one of those things I really need to, like, really talk to you about in a sense. But if you want to mention but bring anything. It. Yeah, but if you just, but, and the reason I say this is because, again, we have a, it's a lot of people who may not understand the job, not understand the kind of the, the, the real kind of things that, the mayor really does and has really big decision-making power of, and the budget is one of those things, right? Um, and so especially for a lot of new Nashvillians, because a lot of people, you know, like they don't participate in the participatory budget or, you know, when they... And, and but they, they wait, should. They should. And, and they, I want more of them too. And they wait and we are waiting until, you know, the budget is almost done, and then we say, hey, hold on, wait whoa, a minute. Wait, wait. <laughs> and so... It's too late. 
And so at if, that point, if you wanted to say anything about the budget or just even your background on understanding on knowing how to manage a $3 billion operational budget, like I, I just want to give you the opportunity. Yeah. I mean, look, it's really hard. Yeah. It is really, really hard. But I want everybody to have a seat at the table. Yeah. Everyone should have a seat at the table. And you know what? That is really messy mm -hmm. and really complicated and really confusing. Right. But we all got to do that. Right. And I invite everyone to do that. I will also invite you all to have a conversation together with all of us. And I am a big fan of what I've already mentioned him once. I'll mention him again. Fabian Bedney is doing with the participatory budgeting, as you mentioned. Yeah. You brought it up. You yeah. nearly know. You obviously know about it. Yeah. I would invite everyone to be as engaged as you are. Yeah. And, and, and I just, I will say this, you, I don't want to say you, I don't want to be sanctimonious or a jerk about this. I don't right. want to say who can or can't yell about what. Right. You can all yell about all you want. Right. But I would really say it's pretty unproductive to yell about something that right. you have not done anything about. Yeah. So let's all do it. Yeah. Because we can. Exactly. Because we are in the greatest country in the world and we actually can. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do it, man. Yeah. Let's do it. You yeah. and me, let's go. In, in the best let's city, go. In, in the best city in the world, I would, I would add. <laughs> um, Matt, I want to give you an opportunity to touch on anything that maybe we didn't touch on, that you want to extrapolate on, or just, you know, leave, you know, kind of just lasting words or whatnot uh, for, the, for the potential voters and people that are watching and listening. Yeah. I, I just want to say thank you. Okay. Yeah, I no. just want to say thank you. No, you're welcome. And thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I feel incredibly lucky. I want us all yeah. to feel incredibly lucky. I feel incredibly lucky because I, like you, feel like I live in the greatest city in America. Yeah. And I think we can make it even better. Definitely. It ain't all working right, right today, but it can be better right. tomorrow. Right. A little bit better if we're willing to do the work. If we don't get this right in voting for our next mayor, what is the consequences? I mean, it's, it's not going to be as good as it should be okay. for that girl living in Casey or any of us. Man, right. we can do this. We can do better. So let's go do better. Where can people go to support your campaign, find you, ask you more questions, um, just catch you at events? How can people do that? Yeah. First way, Wiltshire.com. Okay. I hope it'll be on the screen at some yeah. point. <laughs> www.wiltshire.com. Okay. My email is my name at Wiltshire.com. Matthew at Wiltshire.com. My cell phone number <laughs> is 615-483-4716. I definitely shouldn't be saying that. Definitely. And I definitely will be saying that. Come on. Let's go do this together. All of us. If you, Thank you. If, if you. If you if you win this mayoral race, I'm pretty sure that number probably will change. Nope. <laughs> nope. Hey, man, man, I just, I just, you know, I just got your number. Jerome gave look, it to me. Look, look, here's the thing. I have said this. I, I mean, look, this, this is like the extra time version or whatever, right? I, as you said, I spent a lot of time recruiting companies to come here and they would always say, oh man, now that we have decided that we're going to come here, what should we do? Nashville is the kind of city where you can get a first meeting mm -hmm. with anyone. Right. I think that. Yeah. I think you can get I, a first meeting with anyone. I agree. It may take a little bit of time and you may have to talk to this person, that person, sister's cousin, whatever. You can get a first meeting. What I say to people is, it is vital, Drum, mm -hmm. when you are the mayor of America and the president of this and that, right? Yeah. I hope that you will do that for the next person, that yeah. you will give the first person, the first right. meeting to the next person. Right. And if we do that, we will be a better city, we will be a better country, and we will be a better world. Matt, I appreciate your time. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank uh, you. Good luck on the campaign, and I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll be seeing each other soon. Oh, again. for sure. <laughs>